Hello, I'm Victor Escalante, a seasoned business consultant and trainer with over three decades of expertise in neurolinguistic programming, clinical hypnosis, brain spotting, and positive intelligence. I'm thrilled to welcome you to another episode of Latinos Who Thrive. A massive thank you to all of our listeners who propelled us to the 34th spot among the top Latino podcasts in the country. Furthermore, we're delighted to share that our show is reaching audiences in nine other countries and we extend our heartfelt appreciation to each one of you. Today, we're shaking things up a bit. I have a special treat for you. I'm bringing you a rebroadcast of a live show I recently co-hosted on LinkedIn and Facebook with a dear friend of the show, Jose Monterrosa from Imagina Communications. We conducted this show just last Wednesday and the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. That's why I bring it to you. For our dedicated listeners, get ready to delve into valuable insights on industries of growth for Latinos. So let's dive right in. Welcome to another episode, Jose. Thank you, Victor, for the invitation. So we have a very interesting show, friends. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about data in about the Hispanic market. And if you are a small business owner, if you are a marketer, you need to know this information because this is where the sweet spot is for the $54 billion of the purchasing power of Latinos. So, Jose, uh, take it away. Yeah, sure. Thank you for that introduction. This is data that was presented last week. Uh, by Dr. Jim uh, Granado, who is heading the Harvey School of Public Affairs at the University of Houston. Uh, the presentation took place at an event uh, by the Houston Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. So he was able to share a lot of information that has been gathered by different sources. And uh, I'm, I'm just sharing some of the ones that, you know, caught my attention a lot. Uh, some of this information you may already know, but some of it, uh, the rest of it, is, is probably new to you. So some basic information of the Houston uh, Hispanic market. The Hispanic population has increased 9.5% between 2010 and 2021. Uh, Hispanics are 41.6% of the Houston labor force. That is a significant number, I would say. So this is a data, again, that can be a, of a lot of value for uh, employers. The Hispanic population uh, makes up 27.8% uh, uh, of the electorate in the metro area. We are However, that- only 12% vote, okay? According to the latest statistics that I read, only 12% vote. So we have a large uh, way to go. Go ahead. Yeah, so, so we have a gap there that, you know, yeah. maybe it can be worked, but uh, just, just looking at the numbers, it means that, you know, they, they can be a decisive factor when it comes to an election, if they are actually voting, right? Uh, There are more than 11,000 Hispanic-owned employer businesses in the Houston area. That is huge. That is is huge. And according to one study that I read, Latinos are the number one uh, group of entrepreneurs who start up more businesses. However, the sad part about it is they're the ones that, that fail in the first year. The next slide talks about Hispanic demographics. Uh, among Hispanics in Houston, the majority of the Hispanic population were native born. This is not necessarily new data, but you know, again, it's it's important to to remind ourselves that the vast majority of Latinos or Hispanics in Houston 
were born in the U.S. That is about 55%. That, I believe that's where the percentage is. I'm going to channel Dr. Kleinberg. He says that if he closed the borders, now I'm going back five years, okay? okay? He says if he closed the borders today, Latinos will be the majority demographic in the year 2040. And I believe that data point is, is, uh, is outdated. I think we will hit the largest minority, uh, the largest population in America sooner. Yeah. And I mean, let's, uh, Hispanics are, as of now, about 44% of the Houston population. So uh, I don't think there's another group that is as big as that in the Houston area, but I, hopefully I'm not wrong about that. Uh, when it comes to age, close to, to a third of Houston Hispanics are under 18 years old. So it's a very young population. This still is after many years. Uh, you know, we, we just have a lot of kids, right? So uh, a significant portion of the Hispanic population, one third is under 18. Compared to Houston, Texas and the US populations, the Hispanic population had lower educational attainment. This may be related to the previous bullet point, you know, the fact yes. that we have a very uh, young population. So I, I, I'm curious to know more about that specific data point. Uh, compared to Texas and the U.S., Hispanics in Houston speak more Spanish at their homes. Interesting. This is a question mark for me uh, and, and something that definitely needs to be investigated more. Uh, I, I don't necessarily agree with this, but there is a slight thoughts about it. So, so let's see what that says. Well, um, I would say, yeah, I would say from a cultural perspective, uh, you want to fit in. And mm -hmm. the younger demographic, for sure, are going to be either speaking Spanish or they're going to be speaking Spanglish. Exactly. And, and of course, yeah. the immigrants may not assimilate as fast as other demographics uh, to speak English. But for sure, the younger demographic, all the data shows that, th that they are assimilating very quick. Yeah. So, so to me, it's like, okay, what, what exactly is meant by speaking Spanish at home, right? You said Spanglish, okay? Well, that yeah, I think it's Spanglish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, so, and I, so. <laughs> you, you and I speak Spanglish whenever we can. A lot, be, yeah. Because sometimes it's faster to communicate in in Spanglish than it is in one language. Because uh, simply for for practical application, sometimes I need to convey lots of information to you, and the best way to do it is Spanglish. It depends on the language, right? And how ready you are to convey that information. Yes. Just like you said, uh, it matters. And, you know, for some people, you, you may find that people change personalities when they, they do English they or do. Spanish. And I'll tell you yeah. the science behind it. I'll tell you the okay. science behind it is, uh -huh. is uh, there's neural networks that specifically are active for speaking one language. And then mm -hmm. when you switch to another one, you're using another part of your brain that take me, for example, uh -huh. I am a native of Mexico. And so up to age 10, I only spoke Spanish. And so mm -hmm. first I had to learn to translate in real time. And then I became completely assimilated to where I didn't have to translate in my mind what to say. But now, si hablo en español, lo hablo fluidamente y estoy usando otra parte de mi cerebro igual Tengo otras emociones asociadas con, con el español. 
en tu caso, ya que te conozco, tú empiezas a hablar eh, con idiosincrasias de, de hablar en Salvador. Yeah. Uh, acento y palabras porque estás usando otra parte de tu cerebro. Yeah, completely agree. Y, and, you know, I had this experience in which I was talking to a friend and at some point I realized after maybe a year that I felt an angry person when I was hearing the English. Yes. And I felt a more friendly person yes. when I was hearing the Spanish. Interesting. I, You really What's going on here? <laughs> Because yeah. you're using a different brain, a different mindset. Yeah. yeah. So, so you interpret people differently, right? Yes. Just by the language that they are using. And this may not apply to everybody, but it happened to me. And it maybe it has happened to other people that when they are with friends that are bilingual, it's, it's, it may be different. You know, depending I'll tell you something language. fascinating, Jose. And and again, we don't want to get down into the weeds, but I find this totally fascinating. In fact, we could do a whole topic on this. But yeah. yesterday I was listening to a brain researcher and he was saying that the mind is a predictive algorithm. And so it's always trying to predict what's happening next. And so think about it. it with a Spanish mindset, you're going to have different predictive algorithms as opposed to English. And so that makes totally sense. Absolutely, yeah. So the last bullet point talked about around half of the Hispanic population in Houston that speaks English very well. Yes. That's, I, I, I get it, but, you know, again, yeah. what, what, what is very well, right? Uh, so uh, anyway, let me just go Let ahead. me interject, interject something. When I worked at the Houston Chronicle, we had lots of data. We had lots mm -hmm. of research. In fact, we had our own research department that was almost like the CIA. It was kind of <laughs> okay. And and so the big question is uh do you advertise to do you message to Latinos in English, Spanish or Spanglish? And and again there was this whole internal debate and my take on it is just message in the way of the colloquial Spanish that is being spoken right now or depending on the product or service that you're marketing that will determine what you're going what preferred language you're going to use as opposed to trying to get it just right there is no just right there's going to be a lot of trial and error and and it is only through execution that you actually learn the proper way to message because again yeah. houston is unique compared to san antonio which i i come from it, mm -hmm. houston is very different culture compared to san antonio even though oh, san yeah. antonio is primarily hispanic uh, culture And so is Dallas and El Paso, which I also uh, lived in. And so, again, th there's so much nuance that you just have to do it. It's a different Latino, the one in San Antonio. Yeah, yeah by, by far. And, but, but you mentioned something about the depending on, on, on the product or service, I think is the, the, the point that you were trying to make. Yes. Uh, what I have found uh, through experience is that, uh, especially in the younger generation, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and this is related to not necessarily taking these bullet points as they are, because you, you, you have to understand the type of Latino that you're targeting. Correct. Uh, uh, you know, we, we realized that uh, with this client that uh, the young Latino, yes, he was speaking Spanish, Spanish, English at home, but he didn't want to see that in his school. I mean, he didn't want to see that in the workplace Correct. because when he was in the workplace, when he was at school, he was hanging around with other friends 
that were not necessarily Spanish speakers. So he didn't want to be like singled out and left, leave his friends on the side. And I'll tell you the science behind that. We're social creatures. creatures. And so if you want to fit in, you're going to have to sound like the rest, the the people that you're trying to fit in and be accepted by. You don't want to, you don't want to stand out as the oddball. Right, right. So my, my point is that, you know, you may read this data as it is, but in reality, you have to take it, but do your research before you even engage a Latino because it may vary. Uh, and I may say, the, yeah, uh-huh. I may say Jose does extensive research in order to come up with the proper messaging and the proper modality to use in crafting uh, large advertising campaigns where thousands or millions of dollars are involved. That's where you don't want to take any risk. You you have to do that. And yeah. definitely it's a step that needs to be, you know, it, it needs to All be right, Let's keep going analyzed. because we got a yeah. lot of data to cover. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> We may not be, uh, cover, be able to cover everything, but uh, yeah. uh, this is uh, the map that shows the Houston area and where yes. Latinos are located. Not necessarily anything new here. You know, we know that the east side of uh, Houston has traditionally been uh, a Hispanic uh, population uh, population area uh, dominated by them. And But the expansion of it. Yeah, I'll tell you something that's different because I've looked at these maps uh, when I worked Uh at the Chronicle and I find interesting that the Katy area is starting to turn green. Okay. Yes. A lot of Latinos that that are out there and lots of businesses that are Latino based. Right. And also uh, that something else that I noticed that's different is more towards the Baytown area. Mm -hmm. Those areas did not used to be heavily populated with Latinos and that has grown in the last decade. Okay, you've been you've been here longer than I have, so yeah. definitely I, I yeah. get it. But uh, what I was going to say is that you know you have your traditional areas that are dominated by Latinos, like the the, the east uh, south side of Houston, and then the north side. But then you have your pockets, like the Katy yes. one that you were mentioning. Yes, right. We we all know that Katy has been growing uh, very fast, especially from uh, by immigrants from uh, Katy Suela is growing. Katy Suela is growing. There. Yeah. English or Spanish at home? Three columns here, Houston, Texas, and the United States. Okay. In Houston, English is 16.5%. Speaking Spanish at home, 80.1%. That's a lot. Interesting. A lot. Even compared to the other, uh, to Texas and the United States. So, uh, again, question mark here. I, I would like to know more what is meant by speaking Spanish at home, right? Uh, but I guess another part of this uh, is understanding how AI can provide us some additional insights in the data that we are analyzing. This is another slide that was presented uh, by, by Dr. Granado. It's about Hispanic spending. Where are Latinos putting their money? And there are different categories, entertainment, healthcare, food, transportation, housing, and others. Notice the one, uh, notice the food category. That is the one that where Latinos are above non-Hispanics. So, you know, when you see something like this, you wonder why, what, what, what is going on there? So can AI provide us some insights that can help us understand the why? And it actually does. Uh, so I put, I put the question, right, on using specifically Google Bar. Okay. Asking why are Latinos spending so much money on food? 
And, you know, I mean, you, you may go through all these different uh, answers and you may have your own interpretation of them. But the point here is that you have a very good starting. First bullet point related to family size and culture. We, we know that, you know, on a typical household, you're going to find more or less different generations uh, living in the same house. And we know that food is part of the culture. So no significant surprise there. Food I'll tell you the science behind that because I, okay, I there's a science. <laughs> there is a science. So families relate to each other through Latino families through eating. Okay, that's why uh, when you go to a Latino house, where do people congregate? In the living room or in the kitchen? Kitchen. In the kitchen because that is the sanctuary for families to come together. You go to a a family Latino family where there's a grandma. First thing she wants to do is feed you, yeah. right? Yeah. Why? Because that's the norm. That is part of the culture. And, and unless you're eating, you don't feel like, like you're having warm fuzzies relating to each other. It's a, it's a, way, a way to welcome people, right? Yeah. And making them part yeah. of the conversation. So uh, look so. at some of the uh, experts that we've had on housing previously, how uh, Latino houses the kitchens seem to be bigger because, again, that's where people congregate. Yeah, and the backyard, too. You know, and you're the doing backyard, an asado, right? And the driveways because <laughs> there's so many uh, cars that need to park there. It's the, it's the social interaction, I guess we can yes. say. Uh, and Latinos do not hold back when it comes to eating because, again, that's your way of showing affluence. Yeah. A big carne asada on the weekends that you're going to spend two to three hundred dollars to show that you're oh, yeah. more affluent. Yeah, yeah. So food insecurity is another thing uh, that, yes. came, that came out. Uh, this, this is. I, I think that there is a lot of insight here. Uh, oh, what absolutely. about food insecurity? Well, a food insecurity can lead to families spending more money on food, as yes. they may need to buy more expensive convenience foods or eat out more often. Correct. Convenience stores, definitely a factor here, especially in areas where there is no big boss grocery store, yes. right? Uh, you do the weekend shop, maybe I just go to the gasolinera, you know, the gas station that, that is close by, and that's where I'm going to buy the things that I need for the week. I keep seeing this, Jose. Throughout Houston and the Conroe area, the Woodlands, when I go into uh, a convenience store, all the trades around lunchtime, they're spending $20, $30, $40 on lunch with all the snacks, the sodas, the yeah. water, uh, that, that again, uh, out, of, out of necessity, maybe they didn't uh, plan well. And, mm -hmm. and, and so this is a convenience. This is a habit that they now have in spending so much money in, uh, uh, in wasting money, I should yeah. say, in convenience stores, in high-priced uh, uh, items that you're paying for the the comfort you're paying yeah. for the convenience yeah mobile mobility can be a factor there the lack yeah. of access transportation you know absolutely you, you you go for whatever you have the closest to your house like language barrier <clears throat> interesting you know if we already know that latinos in houston speak for the most part or feel more comfortable speaking spanish then are they going to be able to read correctly the food labels are they going to be able to uh, make the right choices when they go to the grocery stores? Uh, for the most part, the labels are in English, right? Yes. 
so and and on top of that, they may like the lack the time to be actually analyzing and studying whatever you're going to eat. So yes. I, I, I can see how language can be a factor here. And then the last one, marketing. You know, <laughs> we know that we are bombarded heavily by food on TV by far. Why is Telemundo <laughs> or Univision and what do they have? <laughs> food marketing. Yeah. Restaurants. Yeah. Party, restaurants. party places. All the fast food restaurants are basically there. And they yes. know that there is a reason why they want to be on a Spanish TV, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that, you know, you're being provided by all these choices on TV on what you can eat, that, that, is, that it doesn't require too much explanation, right? Yes. So uh, those four factors to me are like, if you're even, even if you're not in Houston, if you're trying to enter the Houston market, and in, and if you're in the food category, this can be a very good starting point, you know. And you can. It can also in. be an important data for you to decide very carefully whether to enter into the marketplace or stay away from it. I'll tell you why. I've actually at the Houston Chronicle, I handle the marketing for uh, grocery stores, some of the Latino uh, ethnic foods. And, and I had one gentleman who is famous, famous, uh, a multimillionaire many times over. He says the market is so saturated and so competitive yes. that we're going to Dallas where the competition is, is lower mm -hmm. and be, because uh, the margins have been cut down so low that we're going to go into other, other markets uh, where the margins are, are, are bigger. Yes. This gentleman is originally from Mexico City, okay? He has been a tiendero. He's uh -huh. been in the, the grocery store chain business all his life. And so, of course, he looks at the data very carefully, and uh, that's what he decided to do. Got it. Yeah, I mean, why, why go into a marketing which you're going to be a hard time, are going to have a hard time entering the market itself, right? And so, when uh, it comes to restaurants, it is the most fiercest, a market to enter into in restaurants because there are so many restaurants everywhere. There's food trucks. There's there's uh, all kinds of international cuisine in Houston that uh, you're competing against the other big players who have deep pockets for marketing and advertising. And you can eke out a, a living, but uh, can you really thrive uh, with a right. brand new brand? Right. And, and I was going to say also, even for those that are not doing, you know, like designing uh, qualitative data sessions, such as a yeah. focus group, this yeah. information here can actually just help you design that, uh, those questions that you will, totally. you will be asking uh, during those sessions. So, you know, people may have different interpretations about these four, uh, but uh, to me, it, it's helpful. Right, uh, especially if you're not too familiar with the category, to give you so so this can give you a better understanding of maybe what is that starting uh, yes. that I need to have uh, uh, this marketing campaign going. So right. I know that we are beyond the time, uh, Victor. You want to stop it here? Or yeah, no, let's keep going uh, because keep uh, going. if you if you got the time, let's keep going uh, for another uh, uh, ten minutes. Okay, so there was another slide that caught my attention during the presentation, and that is related to employment. Employment by industry. Where are Latinos 
being employed. And so there is a, a variety of categories, uh, as you can see in this slide, but there is one that stands out the most, and that is the one related to professional, uh, scientific, and technical services. That's a big surprise non, for me. Uh, yeah, I would yeah, not have expected that. Non-Hispanics, minus 3.5. Hispanics, 38.9%. Wow. wow. So again, why? Why is that? Why is that happening? Well, first, I wanted to understand what is really meant by professional, scientific, and technical services. And once you see this, these subcategories, it kind of makes sense, right? Legal services, accounting, tax preparation, bookkeeping, and payroll services, architectural engineering, advertising, management, scientific and technical consulting services. Some of those, I, I, I can see, I, I can start to understand the why. But again, checking with uh, uh, Google Bar to see what he thinks is the why, uh, I came up with three different answers. One is related to the growth of these industries in the Houston area. Houston is a mayor center for business and commerce and the legal accounting and architectural engineering industries, which are all essential for the city's economy. Okay, cool. The increasing educational attainment of Hispanics in Houston. We already know that this may be a conflicting statement, but uh, the fact is that yes, I mean, there are obviously more Latinos, young Latinos, in the Houston area, and they may not have the four-year degree, but they may have a technical degree that is leading them to these industries, right? Uh, and then the third point is the cultural affinity of Hispanics for these professions. Uh, okay, what about that? You know, maybe, maybe, and this is my interpretation, this may be related to the fact that maybe one family member is already working in that field. My friend is working in that field and they may have been working there for years. So he may or she may be the one that is pulling me into the industry. She or he may be the one that is inspiring me to go into that field. So I can maybe have a, a better understanding, if I see it that way, of why that cultural affinity of Hispanics for these professions. I don't know if you have a specific take, Victor. Sure. Uh, let, let me give you a plain old common sense answer. Okay. More people became millionaires in San Francisco during the gold rush by selling uh, picks and shovels. Okay. Okay. Then finding gold. Okay. So, so if you think about it, I, and I worked in the legal field for about 15 years as a legal writer, uh -huh. we saw a lot of, uh, and again, I work primarily in immigration firms. Mm -hmm. We saw uh, a lot of uh, immigrants uh, come through the business uh, seeking uh, legal status. And, and I got to witness all the different industries that they had businesses in or they worked in. And so if, if Houston has such a large concentration of immigrants, according mm -hmm. to the Mexico uh, consulate, there are 4 million Mexicans in the general Houston area. Wrap your mind around that. Yeah. Four yeah. million Mexicans that it services in the greater Houston area, which is encompasses several counties. And so with that heavy concentration, you're going to have a, a plethora of immigration law firms and all the 
auxiliary services with that all of exactly the, the income tax uh people that that you need to have your taxes prepared to demonstrate to the government that you're not going to be a burden you're going to have all of the again all the auxiliary services that immigrants need in order to establish themselves there, there is a connection between the two right uh, yeah. and, and, and the fact that you have a large uh, Hispanic population in Houston, it makes sense. Absolutely. I recently yeah. interviewed an attorney uh, for my podcast that she, her parents were undocumented and uh, her mother suffered from complications uh, from uh, uh, a surgery that they left something inside her body. And she became mm. a uh, trial attorney. She became a... a a personal injury lawyer because she was so upset because of that. So okay. you have lots of experiences coming from this demographic that are creating this residual wave effect of people that are going into these fields. Absolutely. And the fact that Houston is a gateway city, yeah. uh, it makes a lot of sense uh, if you think of it that way. Now, I, I also check the why because uh, behind this three different industries. And these are just three that I pick randomly, right? Legal services, accounting, and architectural. And in regards to legal services, the legal services industry in Houston is a mayor employer with over 20,000 jobs. Wow. The industry is expected to grow by 8% over the next decade, okay? What about accounting and tax preparation? The accounting and payroll services in industry in Houston is also a mayor employer with over 10,000 jobs. So again, you know, data points that help you understand the why behind the numbers shown on that study, right? And for someone that is perhaps uh, trying to market uh, a company, uh, these are numbers that are probably, uh, that will be important for them to understand how they need to craft that strategy uh, in order to get more people uh, to, to fill those jobs. I have but, a client, Jose, that is uh -huh. in the accounting, uh, accounting, tax preparation, and payroll services. I mean, she's she's an immigrant herself. She says she okay. has made more millionaires by helping immigrant to how to properly uh, do tax preparation, you know, tax strategies uh, to maximize their their deductibles and everything that again, we are seeing this massive influx of purchasing power into the marketplace. And these people are right there as the rubber meets the payment, providing all these services. Great. Yeah. So uh, look, I mean, my the, the point here was, okay, we have this data. How can we understand the data better by using AI or artificial intelligence, right? And And can it help at all? I think it does, uh, and 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 you know it can give you some starting points, and you can easily investigate or research those data points even more to see if you can find something that can help you craft again that strategy that hopefully uh, will be successful when targeting uh, Hispanics in the Houston area. That is you all know, I have for today. Victor. You know what comes to mind, Jose, is uh -huh. uh, we could actually do a class. Why don't we put on a class uh, in my training center and okay. let's do a class for small business owners on how to use AI for a lot of your marketing strategies? Because, again, 
you and I, who are at the forefront, a lot of a lot of data processing and deep learning, know the power of AI. But I think a lot of people are still behind the ropes. They're still behind. Absolutely. The yes. Yes. Uh, uh, they either don't have the time, or maybe they simply don't know this even exists. But the reality is that it's a great tool. Uh, so there you have it, people. Fans <laughs> <laughs> of Jose and myself is we're going to put on a workshop that we're going to make it very affordable for everyone. You don't have to pray about it. Uh, and uh, we're going to share a lot of the secret sauce that we have spent a fortune. And I know at the Houston Chronicle, Jose, I spent uh, millions of other people's money crafting uh, advertising campaigns and messaging to hit that sweet spot for the return on investment on the advertising. And of course, you can uh, talk about your experience in, sure. uh, in how you have driven a lot of uh, effective uh, PR campaigns. So I think that's a winning combination. How to use AI to craft a successful marketing campaign. I think in that's Spanish or in, in English. Spanish. Yes. Or English, whatever you, you know, you use the most. But, there you uh, have yes. it. We're going to have to leave it there, Jose. Uh, thanks for uh, joining us and providing us uh, this very valuable information. And, and uh, we're going to work on that. I'm going to put it together and uh, promote it so that uh, we can help our community. If you found value in today's episode, please consider sharing with a friend. In the spirit of mutual support, let's help one another thrive. To dive deeper into Jose's inspiring journey, check out his full story in episode number 27. Don't forget, we're currently enrolling for our upcoming public speaking class, and you can find all the details in our show notes. That wraps it up for today, friends. Now go out there, let your inner strength shine. My friends, thrive on.